Hello and welcome to the Bold Believer Podcast, a podcast focusing on apologetics and faith-based questions and answers, diving deep into the historical evidence for the Christian faith, truths founded in Scripture, and how it plays out in the world we live in today. And now, here is your host, Josh Snyder. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to the Bold Believer Podcast. As the intro always says, I'm your host, Josh Snyder. I appreciate you tuning in once again to the Bold Believer podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Today, we're going to be discussing a topic in which I have been uh, running around using a certain term or word for the last two and a half years now. Um, It's the word God vibes. And if you know anything about me, you know anything about the music that we put out and anything of that nature, you may already know a bit about the term God vibes. But I want to lay out some clear parameters in which I define this term as. There has been a few people or have been a few people who I know who use the same term very similarly. But uh, I've even got a definition and stuff worked up for this particular uh, play on words, so to speak. So if you know anything about the term good vibes... In its, in its origin, you uh, look back and we see that it started meaning good music or good vibrations was the original full word and then it was shortened to good vibes a little bit later. Good vibrations references to the uh, good music and, and good atmosphere and it eventually it evolved to mean um, good feelings and things like that. So if somebody walks in the room and says, oh, I'm all about uh, them good vibes, they may mean I'm all about good music or, or I'm all about good feelings and a good atmosphere and a good aura or atmosphere of of wherever I'm at. So anyway, I uh, thought about the term good vibes and uh, I considered doing something very simple. It's very simple and it's probably kind of cheesy and years from now I may look back and say that was really, really cheesy. But I uh, my heart's in it and I believe that this uh, term has done a lot over the last couple of years in regards to uh, putting it to use in music and putting it to use in uh, this little lesson we're going to go through here in just a moment to explain what it means and the relevancy and how it can apply to our lives. And maybe you can take away something with you to uh, serve Christ a little more bolder. So what I simply did was I took the, the word good vibes and I dropped one of the O's and uh, it turned into the term God vibes. And, uh, but beyond just making it sound like it was a Christian word, I came up with this idea behind it. See, people use the word good vibes to reference to the atmosphere or a good feeling and things like that. And generally speaking, they reference to it without God. And I'm not knocking the word because the word itself is neutral. But when it is generally used today, it is a very um, secular-based word that just means I want to feel good. Somebody says, I'm sending good vibes your way. It doesn't mean that they're praying for you. It means that they're like speaking into whatever, you know, the atmosphere around them and hopes that maybe it helps. You know, it's not the same as looking to God. But what did God say? What did Christ say when he walked this earth, God in flesh? When he was questioned about being a good teacher, he looked at the Pharisee and he said, Why call ye me good? There is none good but God. And he wasn't saying, I'm not good. He was saying, I am God. And, um, so the term good vibes just, or I'm sorry, the term God vibes comes back to the idea that the only good thing in this life is of God. The only good things in this life that we can achieve or attain or live up to are the things of God. So let's take the next few moments, take our eyes off anyone around us, including myself, when, when going through this little, this little lesson that I've put together entitled, How Can We Possess God Vibes? Or How Can We Possess the Filling and Indwelling and Fully... Um, 
permeation of the Spirit of God in our lives as believers. Some of us may not quite know what God vibes mean, so let me start by defining it, giving you a direct definition. God vibes essentially means to be so full of God and His leading that it amplifies from the possessor, that should be me and you, the Christian, the believer, out to the world around, helps point the lost to the truth in Jesus, and strengthens the body of Christ. It is essentially fulfilling the Great Commission in every way, but I've modernized it a little bit to the term God vibes and and, and given you kind of a clear uh, definition now. And so now that we have that definition in mind, as we go through this, I'd like us to emphasis to emphasize God's Word, the roadmap to life, and ultimately the final authority for our direction. Let me tell you a little story about these three men. I don't think I've told the story on here, and I think it's really uh, applicable to this, this little lesson we're going to go through. This story starts off with these three men walking through the forest one afternoon. I don't know what they were doing or how they uh, came about to be on this journey, but they come up to this very long and wide raging river, and they desire to cross it. And as they uh, step up to the banks, they look across, and the first one steps up, and he looks to God, and he starts to pray. He says something like this, Oh God, I desire to cross this raging river, so please Give me the strength to cross this river. And all of a sudden, lightning falls from heaven and it zaps this individual. He sprouts big arms and big legs. He jumps in that raging river and starts fighting the current. And since he now has the strength to prevail against it, he eventually makes it to the other side. His buddies on the other end of the the river looking on, seeing his friend almost drown a few times. The second one steps up thinking, well, I don't want to almost drown, so God, please give me the strength and the tools to cross this raging river. All of a sudden, lightning falls from heaven, zaps this individual, and he sprouts big arms, big legs, and he looks down and there's a one-person rowboat on the shore. So he jumps in it and he begins to paddle across, and a little while later he makes it to the other side. His friend, on looking this uh, series of events, finally steps up to the bank and says, God, I don't want to almost drown like my two buddies. I don't want to I don't want to almost capsize. So please give me the strength, the tools and the knowledge or the wisdom to cross this raging river. All of a sudden, lightning falls from heaven. It zaps him. He turns into a woman and he pulls out the map that he had all along in his back pocket and realizes there was a bridge about 50 meters downstream or down down river and he goes down and crosses over to the other side safely. I say all that not to say that you can turn into a woman, because that's not biblical, but I say all that to say we need to always be going back to the roadmap in life. And so often we get so tangled up, we get so tangled up in in the, the cares and the snares of this life that we can't focus on what we need to focus on to ultimately and truly reflect Christ in our lives every single day. So today I'm going to lay out just a very quick, very simple a layout of some areas in which I believe each of us, if we were to take a spiritual mirror and look at ourselves, we could reference to where we're at in our life with Christ, where our spiritual walk is at, and how strong uh, we are in Christ, and how, how able we are to reflect God vibes or His presence and His Spirit and His leading in our lives every day. Now, you'll hear me say this at the beginning of, of many uh, talks that I give and things like that. Um, and I want to lay this out really clearly before we get started. If you haven't already figured it out, this message or this next topic in which we are diving into is for believers. 
Meaning, if you have not accepted what Christ did on the cross for you, if you have not made that personal, if you haven't accepted his gift of salvation that he extends to you today, there is no point in implementing the next areas we're about to talk about. There is no point. You can't be holy enough. You can't get close enough to God with your own strength and your own ability. God paved the way so that you might walk over forgiven, clean, and in freedom because of what he did. And what he did was he died on the cross. And most of us know the story. Most of us know what he did for us. But if there's just the one listening, I want to talk to you. If you have not accepted what he did on the cross when he paid the penalty for your sin, you can do so today. Simply cry out to God. Confess that you are a sinner or that you have fallen short of the standard of God because everybody has uh, accept what he did on the cross because he died in our place. We truly deserve to die based on the justice of God, but he took it upon himself to become a man, to live, as we're about to celebrate here very soon, to to become a man, to be born in a stable, to to grow up and to have hunger and thirst and put off his godliness, so to speak, to put off the things that he was so uh, deserving of in heaven and come down and humble himself all the way to being born to die for humanity. He put that on himself, and then he rose again to prove he was God, and all you got to do is accept it. All you got to do is accept what he did on the cross. Confess that you have fallen short, accept what he did on the cross, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And Scripture says in the book of Romans 10, 9, and 10, thou shalt be saved. In that moment, when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not just in this life, not just have a, you won't just have a good religious life. Uh, I don't like religion necessarily, but in its correct and proper term, you won't just be religious. You won't just follow Christ and the things of Christ in this life. He will give you life, an abundant life in this time, in this time, but he will go on to give you life everlasting in the next. Are you saved? And if not, why not? Do so right now. So to the believer, let me let me uh, jump into this message here. I hope that this can be an encouragement to you. And if, if you haven't already, please uh, consider liking and leaving a review for the Bold Believer podcast, helping us as we try to get this thing moving forward and continue to move forward with uh, the different topics that we're going to dive into and we're going to we're going to sift through in the future. Next week, if you come back, Lord willing, we're going to have a a full episode that has to do with. Uh, the birth of Jesus Christ and the prophecy and the prophetic uh, fulfillment that Jesus was when he came to this world and humbled himself and was born and the way in which he was born and where he was born and all the other things that entail around that story. So come back next week. But if you haven't already, please consider uh, subscribing or liking or following the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Share it with a friend if you enjoy what we are doing here and want to help us move forward. With all that said, let's jump right in. There's a few points that I'd like to that I'd like to, to point out or to state here today and us to consider. Let me ask these four questions and us to take the spiritual mirrors that I talked about a second ago and, and look into those spiritual mirrors. The first question that I have for you is, how is your purpose? How is your purpose? We each were designed with a purpose or purposes. God has a desired purpose for our lives because if God's will is truly for each of us not to perish but that all should come to repentance he looks down into history and says I desire you to do this some people will argue against that and we don't have time to get into all the details and say God 
since God uh, is all sovereign, he directs every single thing that we do, including all of the bad, which doesn't make sense because then God is not perfect if God directs the good, the bad, and the ugly and directs in such a way that He, his will and his purposes is that we sin. God's will is not that we should sin, but we do fall short. And since we fall short, he made a way, as we talked about a second ago. But beyond the purposes of, of just uh, becoming, becoming a Christian and coming to Christ and accepting what he did on the cross, if his will is truly that all should repent, beyond that, consider this. How are the purposes that God has instilled within you Christian. How, how are the purposes? I look back in, in my life and I see a, a young man who lived much of his teen years and adolescence and in, in such a way that I wasn't walking in my purpose. I believe God opened so many little doors that I could have walked through and advanced the kingdom even as a teenager and I didn't step through them because of pride or because of arrogancy or sometimes ignorance, but many times because of my position and being in the home that he uh, so graciously allowed me to be in, I was not ignorant to many of the things that were coming against me. I was not ignorant of Satan's devices in most cases, but I walked through those doors and I did not fulfill the purposes that God laid out for me in my life. God has a purpose for each of us. And I know that Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. Some people quote the first part of that verse and say, All things work together for good. Well, you're taking it out of context first and foremost, and let me explain why. We are called to live in God's purposes or in God's will. And if we are not in God's will, we are out of God's will. There's no in-between. God has a will and a desire for our lives, and he'll allow us to do certain things, and he'll still work through the mistakes that we make, thank God. But when we are outside of his will, we are not living in his purposes, and so things are not guaranteed to work out for good for us when we are not in his purposes. I don't know if I just went ran around a little bit too much there with you, but I hope that makes sense. Things will work out for us, together for good, when we love God, but not just love him. Because everyone says, oh, I love God, or at least many of us, especially those who profess to be Christians, all of us will say, yeah, I love God. But are we walking according to his purposes, as that, as that verse asks? Am I living in the will of God? And sometimes when that gets muggy, let me challenge you to do this. Go to Scripture, look to your life, compare your life with what Christ would ask us to live by in Scripture. Not because we're earning our salvation, but because we are called to be a light and a witness and and strive to be holy as He is holy. Strive to be sanctified in this life because God wants to do something with our lives and it is hard for Him to do what He wants to do with our lives if we are running away or kicking against the, the goads or the things that would prod us into the place where God would have us be, just as Paul did. Paul was asked, why do you kick against the pricks or the, the, the cattle prods that are coming against you to try to show you that I am the way, the truth, and the life? I, I'm trying to show you that I am the answer to all this religion that you've dived into, that you've spent your whole life studying. I am the answer. You're persecuting me, and I am the answer. Why are you kicking against it? Paul came to the realization that Jesus Christ was truly Lord and God and spent the rest of his life proclaiming that. And that was God's purpose for his life. We each have a purpose, and it is not just, oh, uh, what kind of ministry work am I going to do? I think some people exclusive 
or think that ministry work is exclusive to certain people and I can't do anything like preaching or teaching. And so therefore, maybe I'll just flip some burgers and pray a prayer before I eat and I'm, you know, I'm living a good Christian life. No, God calls us each to be lights and examples and influences wherever he places us at in this life. Consider that. Walk that out and ask God daily, God, what is your purposes for me today? Not just on a grand scheme scale. What are your purposes for me today in the mundane and the things that I am used to or the things that I take for granted? Proverbs 15:22 says, "Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established." I say that to say get around people, people that you can look up to, find an intentional group of people, not just in person. We live in a day and age where you can find groups and people that can sharpen you, that can help you, that can bring you out of bondage by pointing you to the light and keeping you accountable. And, and, and pointing you to Jesus in every area of your life and help you remember the things that God has done for you. Get in a group of counselors, not just like the think, when we think of counselors, we think of uh, people who have a, a PhD or something like that. No, get in a group of people who can counsel you, who can sharpen you, and you can uh, eventually over time become part of the iron that helps sharpen them. We need each other. Men and women, we need community. We were built for community. That's why Christ said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in the word. He said, do not forsake getting together and breaking open the word of God and and, and fellowshipping and, and talking of the things of God. Our purposes are so much easier to walk out when we are counseling or being counseled by those that love and follow God. So get those people in your circle. God wants to use us and has amazing plans for our lives, but we are seeking after our own purposes and our own wills many days. We get sidetracked. At times we think we can adequately serve God's purpose and our own purposes, which which generally revolve around pride, the lust of the eyes, and the, the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The three areas that we see in Scripture reflected all through uh, the three different elements that God tells us that we struggle with as human beings because of our sin nature. Those areas generally will reflect into us trying to work our purposes out. And if God is not in it, it's it's of us and it's going to fail. And if it doesn't fail in this life, it will come to naught in the next. Consider that. Award-winning uh, Christian hip-hop artist Andy Minio once said in his song called Tug of War, where he said, a trail of broken hearts, a man full of regrets. The thrill has left, the empty promises of sin set. You want to put treasure inside my hands, but you cease, because they're clamped, holding on to sins that I won't release. I don't know how to start loving you and stop doing what I'm doing. If I gain, you tell me what I'm really losing. You have to change me and my sins. I'd never choose him. My heart needs to see something greater than what I'm pursuing. So is it true that you give rest to the weary? Can you accept and repair me? Do you hear me? It's so clear and now it's painfully apparent that I can't have my sin and my Savior. They're not for sharing. Christ doesn't want to compete and share in your sin. I, I got to say that and understand I'm trying, I want to be humble about that because one of the biggest areas that I just bumped and ran with as a teenager was the idea that I could just kind of ask for forgiveness on Sunday and not walk it out during the week. I don't believe I lost my salvation in that time when I when I lived like that, but I felt the conviction 
and the prodding and the chastisement of the Holy Ghost all the time. And I could not walk out in the purposes that God designed for me because I was holding on to sins that I did not want to release to him. What purposes of our flesh do we need to give to God wholeheartedly right now? What purposes has he given us to fill or walk out that, that we know we should be pursuing wholeheartedly? This brings us to my next question. How's your prayer life? If it helps you remember, each of these start with P. But how's your prayer life? Even though I said a prayer at salvation, and we say a prayer once in a while before our meals and before bed sometimes, prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is so much more than some ritual or some ceremony. God wants to connect with us in prayer. And if you don't start your day, I mean, I know this to be a fact because I see it all the time reflected in my life. If I don't start my day with prayer and with getting into the Word of God, if I don't intentionally try to seek God's voice, not necessarily audibly, but the moving and the leading of the Spirit in my life through prayer, and if I don't bring my petitions to Him, and if I don't praise Him through prayer, I'm going to be lacking so much in my day, so much peace, so much things that... That, that God would have me see or understand in that day if I don't come to him in prayer. It's not about religion. It's a relationship, as you've heard many people say, and it truly is. We cannot please God in ourselves, but God, through Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed that covered us, now can have fellowship with us, and he desires to have fellowship with us. And one of the key areas in which he desires to have that fellowship is in prayer. If you've prayed uh, consistently and, and wholeheartedly sought him in prayer, you know what I'm talking about. You know that this is true. Then why do we so often drop the ball? Or at least maybe maybe it's just me. Maybe sometimes I just drop the ball and you're perfect. I don't know. <laughs> but why do we why do we not go to him in prayer more wholeheartedly? Why do we not seek his face and and give him our day through prayer? Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You've heard probably many people, if you've been around a church or Christians or been in the Bible much, you've heard people speak on uh, the idea of our land being healed, and we in America here cry out for healing in our nation, for, for healing in our, our constitutional republic, for healing in the broken systems that we look around and see. And people will preach on this verse and talk about humbling ourselves and praying, but there's so much more to it. Prayer is one of the many areas that God would have us focus on. He desires us to seek His face. He desires us to give Him wholeheartedly our purposes and our plans to turn from our wicked ways. And then he goes on to say, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them and will heal their land. Well, that starts with you and me. Don't just think they got to do it at the high levels or it's just the pastor's job to do that. That starts with the individual. That starts with you. That starts with me. Look into that mirror. Reflect. Ask yourself, how is my prayer life? Well, can we ever have too much prayer? <laughs> I, I, it's a rhetorical question because most of us know that I don't think that there's a such thing as too much prayer. I mean, as First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Now, it, within context, let me clarify, it doesn't mean that we are called to pray every moment of every single day, all the time. Don't ever stop. You can't even sleep. It means be always ready to pray. Be always ready to give, uh, give a cry out to God. Be always ready to thank God. Be always ready to reflect and to look at life through the lens of God. And how do we access the throne room of God as Christians? Through prayer. Cry out to Him. 
pray, look to him. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Do you know what that implies to me? That means if I do not call upon God, he will not answer me, and will not show me great and mighty things which I did not know. If God wants to show me some things in my day, and all it takes for me is to earnestly seek him in prayer, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. He wants us to call into him. He wants us to look to him. He wants us to reach out to to the heavenlies through the power of the Holy Spirit and that indwells each of us and to, to, to not only give him our heart's desires and to tell him what we desire in this life and things like that, but to listen and to, to praise him. First and foremost, praise him. You know, the Lord's Prayer starts off, Hallowed be thy name. Reverence, reverencing who God is is fundamentally part of praying. Don't just look to God as some guy who's going to fill out your grocery list when you need it or, or when you're low on gas or when you're fighting with your spouse. Look to God as the author and the finisher of your faith and truly look look to him in prayer. The third question I'm going to ask us, us today to consider as we look into the spiritual mirror and as we get down to the end of this, how's your presence? How's your presence? Let me explain what I mean by this. How do we physically respond to the trials in this life? Do we allow them to tear us down, to tear down our joy, to tear down the presence of God's love in our lives? Can people see God through us in the good, the bad, and the ugly? Luke 6, 27, 33 states, But I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, which here, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away the cloak, forget, for, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away the goods, or thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love, listen to this part, if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye, or what gain have ye? For sinners also love those which love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what gain have ye, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. Everybody in this life will be good to the person that is good to them. Most of us will reciprocate love, feelings, um, pleasure. Most of us will reciprocate those things if we feel them coming at us. But true love is tested. True, true patience is tested. The fruits of the Spirit are truly tested when we are under pressure and when we are not being treated how we should be treated. When, when our enemies and the people that, that desire to come against us or our testimony or what we're trying to do for God or, or whatever the situation might be, the true test of our faith comes when we are under pressure or persecution or, uh, or, or people are coming against us to, to tear us down. I mean, think about it. If a lost world sees the same characteristics and actions unashamedly in our lives as they do themselves and the others around them without Christ, how are we supposed to be the salt and the light? True, we can all make mistakes, but, but we have to remember and understand that there are consequences for our mistakes, especially if we choose to live in them. And whether it be addiction, anger, pride, sexual sins, or, or whatever else that rip us from God's plan for our future, the list can go on. Uh, the world is watching. 
what do they see in us? How is our presence affecting those around us? Can we walk into a room? Can I walk into a room and people look at me and just know something's different? I've heard the term uh, or the, the saying, share the gospel always and if necessary, use words. That's no excuse not to verbally give the gospel, but we should be able to have and live in such a way that people can tell that we are genuinely filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are genuinely trying to be like Christ, not for some show, because earnestly, or I should say, we earnestly should be seeking to be like Christ, not for other people, but for the honor and praise of God. And then through that, God can change other people around us by our testimony. God can use that to penetrate the heart and mind of the lost world around us and and advance the kingdom. And it's an amazing thing to be a part of when you wholeheartedly surrender to God, when you give God your presence, when you don't just serve him when it feels good, when you're not just happy, when it is easy to be happy. The days in which it is hard to be happy and we still choose to have joy in our lives and the peace that passes understanding to cling to that in Christ. When we still choose to show up and to work hard and to be the person, the employee, the employer we are called to be, that is when God truly shines out in our lives. Think about it. Reflect on it. Ask yourself, how is my presence, not just today, but every single day? The uh, fourth and final point that I'm going to wrap this up with, how's your priorities? What do we put at the top of our life? Now, you could probably ask this question in combined combine all the other questions that we've already asked today, but let me just use this as a way to generalize anything else that that God would have you to focus on in your life, um, including one of the areas in which I feel is most important up there with prayer and fasting and and living a purpose-filled life and emulating Christ in everything that we say and do in our presence, and that is to read the Word of God. That is to open the Word of God. Don't just listen to the Bold Believer podcast, but go and check out the areas in which we describe uh, in the podcast, the verses. The uh, go, go study it for yourself. Don't just take our word for it. Get in the Word of God yourself and divide that Word and look to Christ to, to, to give you the wisdom to understand. And He will. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, God will give you the ability to understand as you read and you grow and you learn daily in the Word of God. What do we put at the top of our life? Most of us would say God is at the top of our life if we were just asked, you know, what's at the top of your life? Well, as I stated at the beginning of the illustration, we always need to go back to the roadmap. And that roadmap, and one of the biggest priorities that I feel is often overlooked, especially by newer believers or believers that maybe get too cocky in the faith so they can be older believers. And that, that, that area is not opening the Word of God like we should and studying it for ourselves, not just taking other people's words for it, but opening it up ourselves and and going through it and meditating on the words every single day. They're there for our examples, the stories that we see, especially the ones where there's a lot of people making mistakes that we don't have to make. They're there to show us that we don't have to go that way. There's commandments to show us that we can have that Christ-like life and and walk it out and, and to be... Um, in God's will. I mean, God's will in many cases is so clearly divided already in the Word, but we won't know it if we don't study it. So often we get caught up in prioritizing the cosmetics. But like Matthew 6.25 states, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. 
what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Life is so much more than the things that we just generally prioritize on our day-to-day lives. Uh, Life is so much more. And if all I was living for was to wake up, to eat, to go to work, to play a little bit and lay down and go back to sleep and then die eventually, man, there wouldn't be much point in this life. And I can see why people outside of Christ lose all hope because it just seems like a cycle that never ends. And, And the truth is it will come to an end someday. Not just in our life, but time will end and God will return and and set up the kingdom as it should be. But until then, we have purposes. We have priorities. We have the prayer life we need to give to him wholeheartedly. We have all of these areas that we should be reflecting back to a lost world, being the moon as Christ is the sun and letting people see God's light in us. One of the biggest areas that helps us as a church and Christians dwell together in unity, as Scripture says we should, is keeping our priorities focused. How's your marriage? Are you prioritizing your wife or your husband like you should? Are, you, are, they, the, are they your other half? Are you one with them? Are you allowing God to work in that? Uh, how's how's uh, your friend circle? What kind of music do you listen to? Like God will want will will reflect into all areas of your life if you surrender everything to him and that's not a bad thing it's not going to make your life boring and if anything else you're going to get a lot more excitement and joy out of this life i'm going to just say that based on the experience that i've had so far uh, all the pleasures of this world that i experienced or tasted prior to giving all or surrendering to christ were nothing compared to what god has given and what god is doing in my life right now and that's not to flex that is to tell you that i serve a god that can reach down and use this messed up vessel or this guy who made some mistakes and doesn't deserve to be where he's at today god reached down and can use me and god can use you god can use anybody from the uttermost to the guttermost no matter who you are god desires to use you and your life for the kingdom and those are that's an amazing place to be when you're walking out in christ daily I heard a story about two men riding a, a, a tandem bicycle up a steep hill, and after much effort, they finally made it to the top of the hill. The front rider said, well, that was a really tough ride, a lot tougher than the last time we did it. And the back rider looks at him and said, sure was, and if I hadn't kept my foot on the brake the whole time, we may have slipped backwards. If you caught what was going on there, so often we as a church, we as Christians, walk and live the same way. We think somehow we are helping the ministry by doing something. And, and most often, though, when we look at our, at our motives and why we are doing it, we are actually unintentionally or intentionally sticking our foot on the back end of that bicycle or the brakes of that bicycle or the brakes of our church and not helping it move forward. And when I say church, don't equate it to a building. Equate it to the people that God gives you to meet with under the pastor and under leadership, under, under the authority of God and His Word. We as a church need to work together. We as a body of Christ, we as believers need to work together. And if we are just pulling the brakes when we're trying to actually work our way up the steep hill in this life, the the steep hill of trials, the steep hill of, of whatever the case might be, then we are doing damage to the kingdom. So when we accurately and, and, and prioritize these things that I believe that, that God has given given each of us to look at and to reflect on our spiritual mirrors, we can move forward mightily for the kingdom. If those of us who claim the name of Christ are striving to walk out in our purposes for that Christ has laid out for our lives, intentionally seeking God daily in prayer, 
reflecting the peace that passes understanding and the joy of the Lord in our presence. I'm recapping if you can if you don't get that. And intentionally giving our priorities all the other little things that fall under, all the other things, the reading of God's word, the submission of our relationships to God and everything else that God would have us uh, walk out and work out in our lives every single day, we will embody what I call God vibes, or reflecting Christ in our lives wherever we go. So whether we're in a crowd full of people who profess and hold Christ as Lord, we can strengthen that body. We can help those people. We can be of an encouragement to those believers. And then if we're in a crowd full of people who don't know who Christ is or what Christ did for them, we can accurately and adequately and, and confidently share the good news of Jesus Christ. Be salt and light today. Walk it out. Work it out. Thanks for joining me once again for another episode of The Bold Believer. I, uh, I appreciate the time that whoever you are investing in this little project and as we continue to learn and grow and as i said a little while ago please consider sharing this episode or sharing any of the episodes that you feel or find some help in and uh, tell a friend about leave a review and uh, check us out wherever you get your podcasts if you want to hear more or follow us on other areas please check us out on facebook or youtube and we'll have some more updated content and things that you won't just hear on the podcasting platforms out on there as well I'm your host, Josh Schneider. Thanks again. I challenge you today to go out and to be a bold believer. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Be sure to give us a rating and follow us for more Christ-centered content as we learn and grow together wherever you get your podcasts. Now, go out and be a bold believer.